everybody, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Gets Real. We are going to get real today with our friend and UDGer, Global Head of RevOps, Ellie Carey. Ellie, hello. Yay. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. It's very good to be here. Yay. And so by way of her title, spoiler alert, the content of this episode, we're really going to focus on RevOps. RevOps is a, a big topic for us here at UDG and for our clients globally. So super excited, Ellie, to get your input and insight on the RevOps journey, where we are and where we're headed. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited to get uh, down and nerdy about RevOps. Down <laughs> and nerdy. nerdy. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let me just do a quick bio for Ellie. Ellie Carey, who has two first names, which I love. We've got a couple people that have two first names on the team. I, I, I love that. So Ellie has many years experience in running MarTech stacks internally. We were lucky enough to pull her away about 18 months ago. She's been running our, our RevOps team here at UDG for about 18 months. While she was in-house, she had seen the challenges that organizations face by constricted budgets and tight headcount and really understood the value of working with agencies to get that extra expertise and extra arms and legs to achieve their RevOps goals. So she's got both perspectives there, which brings a lot to the team. And one little note, which I find interesting, while Ellie is a self-proclaimed nerd, she has a degree in art. And so we may want to dive into a little bit later, her kind of uncanny ability to do that whole left brain, right brain thing, which is a, gives her kind of unicorn status in my book, because I think it's definitely a talent. So, so welcome Ellie. And let's just go ahead and dive in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, you're passionate about messaging and design and you've got a knack for technology, obviously, and you love to problem solve. So what does that mean in the life of Ellie Carey? <laughs> yeah, problem solving is probably my biggest pastime right now, especially in what you do with RevOps and different systems. I think my background is really at the end of it all is I'm a customer journey advocate and I like to take it holistically all the way through. I guess that's my liberal arts background of just everything. You have to touch everything and then go in where you need to. But I think really focusing on the customer journey and how that affects, I've touched everything from, you know, I started in social media, then I moved into email campaigns and HubSpot, and then I started moving into paid. So I've seen it all and I've seen the demand gen side of it, of the house, and I've seen the content side of it. But I think what I really understood when I was working for a SaaS company is I was in, I call the bullpen of really working with... I had sales, marketing, customer success. We all were in this huge room and everybody was doing their jobs and all these calls, but we were so siloed. And I think what I really understood in that role is you can have the most effective campaigns, you can have the most effective plans and strategies, but if your data is not where it needs to be or you have gaps in your processes, it's really hard to be effective as a business unless you have that extra component in. So that's kind of been my journey alongside parallel to the customer journey is where I, I really look at and love. That's great. So Ellie, that's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about how now that all translates into your role here at UDG. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing is the great thing about UDG, right, is we support all facets of the business, right? With marketing for the B2B 
teams that we work with. But what we typically are seeing right now is that being able to track the customer journey is transcending your typical tools, right? So it's it's more than working in a marketing automation platform or CRM or a sales enablement tool. So you really need to start thinking about how your tech stack comes together and how your data is working across your business. And so I think that's been a really great evolution that we've been seeing. That's where you've been seeing RevOps has become more than just a buzzword, more than just a black box. I think teams are really starting to understand the importance of, you know, you can work in your different teams, but having that unified direction, processes and strategies are so important. So we as a team, I know we've talked about this. I came on and we were supporting marketing operations and we put the claim down, stake in the ground that we really want to start being more of a RevOps team to support those core functions and needs. So that's been the really fun evolution here on our team and how we're supporting going forward. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out here, we, I lunch with one of our content syndication partners a few months ago. And one of the things we were talking about is they're noticing, they pay attention to titles often, right? Because they're doing lead generation against titles. And what they said was interesting is they're noticing a big shift in marketing titles to RevOps in the titles, right? And so yeah. whether that's RevOps or it's revenue marketing. The idea of revenue has become really prevalent, I think, in the marketing world, especially as Pam Didner a few episodes ago mentioned that we had this, she called it a bloodbath in marketing, but we had a big shift and we're all being asked this year in 2024 to do more with less. And so revenue in general becomes really important and really top of mind for everybody. So, and then to your point, it all kind of starts with the technology and the data and what's coming in. So revenue generally generation is a team sport for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. And the way that we're defining RevOps, it really does help us to think from a unified perspective, the focus on revenue, whether it's driven from sales, marketing, customer success, it's all about bringing value to the customer and bringing revenue into the organization to feel gross. So it is kind of exciting. And I think we're starting to see it, the term RevOps being adapted more globally. You know, our last trip to London, and Dana, we did start to hear people talk in that way, still hearing, you know, a lot of focus around marketing technology, but I think there's an opportunity there for kind of this unified revenue focus as well. So yeah. Well, cool. who doesn't like money? I like money. I like to follow yes. the money. <laughs> yes, yes. So. Yes. Uh, our yeah, our clients do as well. Yeah. The data yeah. is where we can look back and point and see how are we doing as a unified team. And, you know, we all know, and Dana's married to a sales guy. Sales likes to take credit for, I'm a salesperson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dana's a salesperson, <laughs> likes to take credit for it, but it really is a team sport. And I think that the data can help to support that. So cool well, stuff. Well, and I think sales, just given what we said this year, is going to be leaning heavily on marketing. You know, I think, I mean, you mentioned the silos in the organization, Ellie, when you were on client side. And I think that in a good year, when everyone's doing their job and revenue is high, the silos are okay because sales is like, well, I don't really need marketing's help. I got this, right? I'm doing it's fine. I'm driving all the leads. And then all of a sudden their pipeline dries up and they're like, what have you done for me lately? And so I think there becomes a switch as we get into this year about even more pressure on marketers and maybe sales being more willing to take the support and partnering on this. Yeah. 
We'll yeah. see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so as mentioned, and obviously the focus of this podcast is on RevOps and the contribution to revenue. <laughs> you know, from a data perspective, I don't think that we're fully seeing organizations move beyond traditional marketing metrics, right? And really looking at things beyond MQLs and marketing-influenced pipeline to something more broad. I think that's definitely an opportunity. And since this year, the season, our podcast is focused on opportunities. Ellie, what do you think is the opportunity? We're all talking about companies are tightening budgets. They're focused on efficiency. They're leaning in to ensure that they are spending their money in the right places. What are the opportunities for our clients and for our RevOps colleagues to make themselves invaluable and help to support the organization's revenue goals? That's yeah, a long so question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, I don't know where no, I'm going with that. Yeah. It, but it's a critical question. And I think this is like the million dollar question. We've been saying for a hot minute that you can't throw spaghetti at the wall and hope it sticks anymore. But I think that in theory, yes, no one wants to be throwing spaghetti anywhere, right? It's a mess to clean up. But it's also a mess to really figure out how do you architect things and systems and data to get it where you need it to go. And I think what makes people invaluable from the RevOps side is I can track what campaigns, what platforms are driving dollars to the deal, right? I can also track how many people are in my pipeline, how quickly they're moving through. So I can actually start predicting what we're forecasting, right? That's the end-all be-all where you really want to get with RevOps. And I think the other invaluable piece with RevOps is really starting to look at, okay, we have a mammoth, right, to tackle. And depending on where you are with your maturity curve, you might be just starting out. You might be trying to start scaling, optimizing. So I think what makes RevOps invaluable is they understand the path and the journey and the steps you need to take. And instead of trying to tackle it all at once, you really start siloing. I hate saying silo, but you start piecing out, okay, this is our roadmap for now. This is how we're going to get. It's a journey, just like a customer journey, but it's the B2B worker journey that you really have to start thinking about. And I think if you can understand that, identify that and bring whoever's with you and your business along with you on that journey and start proving the shiny object goals. I know we've talked about this before is, hey, what's your win this month? What's our win next month? And really start parsing it out and piecing it out so that you can really start tracking holistically start to finish and even upsell, right? I think customer success gets kind of put in this own little box, but that's where the most revenue is, the easiest revenue up for grab is. And so if you start thinking about that holistically, customer journey, that's where you're going to be invaluable. So we know that you're super passionate about revenue attribution. What are the key challenges that our clients face when it comes to attributing revenue to marketing efforts? And like, how do you think these can be overcome? Yeah, so I think in the B2B space, we have really complex buying centers, buying goals, different people. You have contact-based efforts, you have account-based efforts, and you also have partner channel efforts that you have to think about. So I think understanding those complex relationships and building processes, we always hear scalability, scalability, but you have to build frameworks that include these complex relationships. And you also have to start thinking about your data and your pull-through throughout the process so just focusing on attribution, right? It's this whole area that's really big and hot right now and making sure that you're tying attribution to 
contacts, to accounts, to partners, right? Because partners help you seal the deal, right? Or this partner channel is more profitable than others. So I think you really need to start thinking about how you track those relationships and tie the data to those different complex relationships. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, you know, one of the trends that we're seeing this year, I think, is channel, right? I mean, I think as everybody aimed to be more efficient, they're relying more heavily on their channels for sales, right? And so I think when you kind of touched on it, that it's one thing to say we're going to sell through the channel. It's another thing to figure out how we're going to track revenue against the channel and attribute it to them, figure out where it's going. So I could see that being a huge pain point this year as the shift continues, I think, too sell more through the SIG channel. And I've also heard you talk, Ellie, about kind of the change management process of attribution, right? And really kind of crawl, walk, run approach to getting where you want to be. Oftentimes we see clients taking it all on at once and and not bringing people along with them in the, the changing of the process. And as we know, we own what we create and bringing people along in the process helps to incite better behavior and more understanding of the value and the value of attribution and the process there. So how do you, as a consultant within organizations, how do you counsel them on how to implement an attribution model that is sustainable? Yeah. So I think it comes back to understanding that maturity curve where they are in the business, right? So if you're just starting to scale, we're probably not going to recommend a data-driven model, right? Just because you're not set up data-wise to do it, right? That's the biggest thing in the tech stack. So I think it just kind of depends where you are, where your data is in your journey and really assessing, okay, at this stage, this is what we're going to focus on and this is what we're going to achieve. Here are your wins. Here's what you can take back to your leadership to share what your successes are and really kind of start parsing it out that way, I think is the great thing of how we support, how we consult. I think the other game that we play is the, I want this report. Mm. And we always, <laughs> I want this report by, you know, 5 p.m. today at 4 p.m. I ask, right? Which is, you know, we get it. You all, Carrie all and I have never that do box. that. <laughs> never. No, 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 never. And it's really, this is always the game that we have to play or switch with the client and mindset is we can build that report all day long. The data will not show you anything. So let's fix the data so we can build you the reports you need. Or this is the, what do we band-aid in an hour for you? That's, you know, valuable insight, right? So that's kind of the game that we, it's usually you start with reporting and then start building out what you need to strategize and think about yeah. too. Because you're saying people ultimately, it's like, oh, we built a report and there's no data to fill it essentially. So yeah. it's like, oh, so that's, so you find that's in essentially to get them to talk about. Yep. What's really under the hood. Okay. Interesting. Our favorite combo is, I want to know how successful this campaign was and how many sales I got off this campaign. Very simple ask. Totally simple ask. We should be able to deliver that. Systematically though, if you're not tying the campaign to the person, to the account, to the deal, to the close one revenue, you're not going to be able to report properly that this is the campaign that you want to do over and over again. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Love it, Ellie. 
keep the mantra going because it is, <laughs> especially as, you know, we mentioned, you know, we're all being asked to prove our value. And I think clearly this is one of the ways that marketers and revenue generators can do it. So we hear you talk to clients a lot about lead management, right? I know it's a kind of a big, hairy discussion, but what is the opportunity for our clients and for marketers and revenue generators? What is lead management and and what's the opportunity for them to kind of tackle this initiative? Yeah. So I think it's the way that we talk about lead management is we bucket lead scoring, lead source attribution campaign architecture and lead lifecycle all under kind of that lead management vein. And the reason why is really your core backbone in how you're tracking what you need to track for revenue across the business. So, and it also helps you predict, again, start being able to identify what's working and what's not and what you have in the pipeline right now, right? So understanding I have 100 MQLs that are most likely going to convert to SQLs to opportunity at this rate. And we're able to say that our content syndication campaign is what drove those leads, right? So those are the core, I think, questions that businesses really want to answer. And to me, lead management is that aha solution to get you that data and do it efficiently and effectively. And also having those processes that whether it's a sales enablement effort or a marketing effort or even a customer success effort, if you have this framework and these strategies and these processes across your teams, unified and consistent, you will be able to predict and identify and report all day long. And I think that's a hard thing to kind of explain to a client first thing, you need lead management. What does that mean? You know, that's always yeah. a hard, it's a black box sometimes. Yeah. Is the pushback you think just in their lack of understanding or is it in the fear of what I'm going to uncover and how many internal stakeholders I need to get involved and yeah. it becomes a much bigger discussion in an organization, right? Well, no. And I think that's why RevOps is so critical and why you're seeing teams become more centralized as a RevOps unit. Because when you start thinking about this and talking about this, you need marketing stakeholders, you need sales stakeholders, you need customer success stakeholders, you need your technology stakeholders, depending on how you're built as a business. And it's a lot of buy-in, it's a lot of selling, it's a lot of what's in it for me. And you have to constantly sell this concept to be able to do what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think lead velocity, time to deals close, things like that are are super important and a buttoned up process like this will help to you said predictions, but you know, it's certainly helpful to know how long deals are taking to move through the process, especially as the lines between ABM, demand gen, go to market, you know, all of these different strategies become more and more blurred. I think the pipeline insight that this allows is going to help organizations have that clarity that they need in order to know where to invest their money and keep pushing toward their number. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Carrie. Thank you. It is. Well, and my hot take about ABM, go to market, it's any struggles that you run into with these different terms or processes or strategies, it's really, you can be successful with ABM. You can be successful with go-to-market, but if you don't have consistent processes or strategy, or you're not tracking the data across your tech stack in the right places, you're not going to be successful. So, and I think that's the piece that 
is sometimes hard for people to understand. They know data is important, but they don't know how important it is until you try to report on it and prove what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think for the last couple of years, we've just all been checking boxes. I think that it was okay because sales were up, revenue was flowing. And so it was okay for us just to use all of the tools in our toolbox, check the box. I did email, I did ABM, I did go to market, I did webinars, I did all of these events. And it went, okay. And that was literally it, right? And now everyone's saying, well, wait, if you want that budget, you got to show me what it's doing for us, right? And how is it impacting the business? And I think what marketers are uncovering is their systems aren't set up to deliver that. And so it's easy to come into and go, okay, now I have to show, have to show the revenue. Oh, but I can't. So it's kind of like, and the pressure, it's almost kind of terrible timing, right? Because there's more pressure to do it faster and they have to take a step back and relay some of these foundational things that should have been done at the get-go, right? Yeah. 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 And the blurriness that we're talking about, Dana and I have been talking to clients about this for years, the blurriness of these tactics, you know, I think the platforms haven't caught up with it either, right? And so, you know, I think Mm -hmm. there's potential opportunity for maybe more crossover in the functionality of the tools to help kind of accommodate for this blurriness or continuum of marketing tactics. So, you know, from my mouth to your ears, I think that's going to be something that we're going to see, you know, in the next few years from a technology vendor feature perspective. So yeah, let's hope so, right? And I don't know, jury's still out for me. I know depending on where you are, like sometimes there's phases where people consolidate their tech stack or they expand it. I think we're going towards more consolidating unless you're in a startup, right? Then you get every bell and whistle tech stack you can because you just <laughs> you, you need it or you think you need it and you have the budget to do it. But I think, you know, and we're seeing this with some of our clients where they're really starting to think about I'm spending so much money in all these different tools and I don't have the resources to properly man each tool or become an expert in every Mm -hmm. one. And my data is not pulling in to where it needs to go effectively. So it's a lot easier to deal with it in one spot. So I think we're moving towards a consolidation ecosystem right now. And hopefully less technology, but more feature rich and getting us to where we need to go, right? I think, I mean, it is interesting, right? Carrie and I on the other side of it are seeing a lot of these MarTech companies lean into agencies as a channel because they're unable to go direct right now. And it's an interesting model for them, right? It's probably a model many of them should have actually tackled years ago when we were like, hey, give us some sort of agency model with you that we can work because we can put multiple clients on whatever solution it is and we can make this work. And everyone's like, no, 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 right? That doesn't work for us. And I think the tables are changing or turning here a little bit because at the end of the day, you can't have every technology known to mankind. Yeah, I mean, we just audited our tech budget going into 2024 (laughs) and you start looking and you go, what do I really need? And what am I using for? Is this a nice to have or a need to have? And ultimately, does it drive us to revenue, right? Because if the technology isn't driving us to, for us, creating better quality for our our clients, doing some of these things, which ultimately lead to revenue, then why do we have it, right? And I think all the marketers are asking themselves the same question. What does it ultimately do for me? Yeah. Well, and I think the other pitfall is people just start buying tech because they think it's the silver bullet solution. Right. Yeah. Because they're like, this is the next one that will get me what I need to do. It can easily report. It can easily do it. But it always comes down to data. If the data is not where it needs to be, if it's not accurate, if it's not consistent across your tech stack, 
you can buy the coolest tool out there. It still won't do (laughs) what you need it to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So what's next for RevOps, Ellie? Uh, Yes. I know AI. I mean, we know AI is a given (laughs) in everything we do right now. I would say AI, intent data. The other thing that we're seeing is the big shift about moving away from third-party cookies. That's a big thing that we have to be aware of how we support. Also aware, you know, policies changing. That's a big thing. So we in RevOps really have to start thinking about how we're pulling this in and leveraging it despite what we have going on policy-wise, right? I think most marketers you talk to market how you want to be marketed to, right? We always think about that. And then we talk to sales and then it's like, we have to get revenue. So we have to market any way we can. But I think it's really figuring out how we track emailing, right? For example, in a way that you're not going to hit spam really quickly, right? That's our biggest like hurdle that we're having to address right now with these changes that are happening. Intent data. The big thing that we're talking about with intent data is... Does it make sense to pull it into scoring models? Is it, you know, it's black funnel, right? Metrics that you're trying to pull in. How do you track somebody searching? I mean, you have SEO and you can search the keywords, but how do you know a person, well, unique person that you don't even know about is searching a question in a forum for your solution, right? It's stuff like that, where that is high intent and you want to be able to track that or leverage that data. And then with AI, I think the big thing around AI that we're talking about is, can you leverage it to build code? Can it build logic for you? Can it build workflows? That's that's what we're trying to figure out or explore on the RevOps side of making sure we can automate and simplify and take the man hours in some examples. Because if you guys work in Marketo, you know how that sometimes, if you have a, a really old system, it's very slow to do some of the work you need to do. So could you automate that, right? Instead of hopping to screen, to screen, to screen, that's where AI might be able to help. So that's what's big on my horizon. That's amazing. I am laughing a little bit. You're like more spam filters. And and the other side, our IT person is pitching Carrie and I, you guys need an additional spam filter this year. (laughs) And so I'm like, yeah, you guys are up against all odds as everything is like, um, yeah. Well, that's why it's quality over quantity, right? Focusing on quality, personalization, less is better in this effort for sure. We'll be seeing more of that, I think, in the next year. So. Well, cool. Well, this has been super insightful, Ellie. We'd love to talk to you about all the nerdy things. So what cool projects do you have in the hopper? What's coming your way in the next six to nine months? Oh, well, at some point I'm getting married and, I got, um, <laughs> and I'm trying to get my partner makes wine for me. So I'm trying to make him figure out how to make champagne. That's my personal endeavor. <laughs> I'm just not excited about that task, but I there's think there's that. quite a bit of difference between champagne and wine. Maybe not. There's probably winemakers listening going, you're completely wrong, Dana, yeah. but. Well, um, and sorry, it won't be champagne because I live in Dallas, Texas, yes. so it will never be champagne. What It'll is, be what is bubbly. Um, <laughs> like, what is it? What is bubbly called that comes out of Texas? I don't know. Outside I, you know Topo what? Chico? Yeah, it is Topo, Topo Chico. Chico. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have, I have a bottle at my desk right now. I'm not... Not promoting a brand here right now, but um, yeah, it is. I love it. We know you're (laughs) an influencer, a Topo Chico influencer. 
I oh, am. Funny. I am. Funny side note, guys, for everyone listening. We brought Ellie to London last time. Carrie and I went, and Ellie brought her team there, um, Topo Chico, because they had no idea what it was. <laughs> so she traveled with it. She came out. There was Topo Chico for all. Yeah. Very generous um, of you, Ellie. Super fun. Yeah. Spoiler. It's very bubbly, and the team that opened it and exploded on them. Which and I all forgot. of them, right? Yeah. Everyone yeah. did it, right? Okay. Yeah. They, they I opened about it that, yeah. separately, and I forgot. And and so Topo showers all around. That, that's uh, that's my yeah. new tagline. Have you guys watched the new Netflix holiday movie with Jennifer Garner? The one where it's the family switches lives, like the parents become the kids and the kids no, become lives. No, I didn't watch that okay, one. Okay, so watch it. And in, in the outtakes at the end, there's a scene where Jennifer Garner is burping and it shows her drinking Topo Chico. Um, in order to, to make to it make happen? herself, because she's, I'm a 50-year-old refined woman. This is not easy for me. And so they gave her Topo Chico and she just let it roll. Yeah. I was dying. It'll do it. <laughs> It will. <laughs> yeah, I can't do Topo Chico when you're recording a podcast. For no, sure. definitely not. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not. Love so it. So, Ellie, if your fiance cannot figure out the bubbly, everyone can just drink Topo Chico. So, there you go. Yes. All right. So, we always try and end with a pop culture question. So, I was struggling with a new one to come up with because, you know, this was my bright idea and we're only a few into the season and I'm already running out of and pop culture. And we've used questions. all the Taylor Swift. So, uh, well, yes. yes. No, there'll be more. <laughs> Right. She was booed recently. We can, oh, you know, there's a lot we can come my up heart. with. Don't boo I know. Taylor. I knew don't, that. Don't. We haven't been able to talk about that. All right. So since we've got this theme, we have to stop saying it because we're probably going to make it even more true, but we've got this whole theme around doing more with less. You're a big do-it-yourselfer project, DIY, right? You've done a lot of stuff in your house. So do you want to tell us about one of those? You kind of hit on the winemaking, but is there anything yeah. else you're working on since you're all about doing more for less? Yeah. It's not so... always less so when you do it yourself, right? I just think it's, <laughs> I know. We think it's going to be, but it's not. Well, and I'm in the process of hopefully, well, the planet, we're moving. So I get to start net new in a new house. So I have this app called Room Planner that I've been playing around with where you get the measurements of your, like the blueprint of your house. And I'm building rooms and like doing like, how do I want to build the space? And it's really cool because it'll pull in like different furniture, like Ikea, anything you want from Ikea, you can pull into the room. So I did that as a mock-up when I did my craft room so I could see what it would look like because had like this room that's like a nursery sized room, not a real room and had to figure out what to do in the space. So that's kind of my, with the new house, I'm starting to plan each room by room. I don't know if I'm going to do a crate wall again, a plant wall. I really want to do a plant wall. That's my, yeah, my dream, like a live love one. Love that. Love right that. Now, well, I you live in Dallas, artificial. so you probably get enough sun to actually be able to do that. In yeah. Seattle, yeah. that's not the case. Well, and it's the moisture that you have to watch out for. So that's the, you know, if no one wants to hear moisture on a podcast. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> Seattle, it's all about the mold that grows everywhere. Yeah, no, the so, mold yeah, 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 yeah. The mildew. We got mold everywhere. Yeah. 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 Oh, so you're going to do, so you see, you are a creative person. Look at that. You're, uh, we tied it all back to left brain, right brain. Yeah. Yeah. And you are a charcuterie board goddess as well. We've seen evidence of that. Yeah. No, my pro tip is have a charcuterie party and make people bring you the food because you don't have to fund all of it. And (laughs) it is expensive. It's expensive, (laughs) but it's fun. And you can do like next year, I'll do Christmas around the world charcuterie boards party because I think that fun. would be really fun. In your new house. In the new Make house. Make sure that you've got the space in the kitchen for all the charcuterie boards that your friends yeah. are going to bring. Love it. Yeah. yeah. But I always see like, um, you know, 
what did I see? A bad boyfriend charcuterie board themed of like ex-boyfriends. I just saw that on TikTok. And everybody made one like for their worst ex-boyfriend. Yeah. There was like a gaslighting version of it. uh, Toxic AF, right? You saw that. It was a black drink that I was like, yeah, I need one of those. Okay, but, um, I need access to your algorithms on TikTok because that I'm looking for something new. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's All good. Right. I'll find you need, you char- you need creative charcuterie boards. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. World's your oyster. Make it what you want per party. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Ellie, um, we've taken too much of your time today. We really appreciate your insight and the vision that you're providing to your team and to our clients on the RevOps side. So keep it up. Good stuff. Look forward to hearing more from you as we go. So Dana, thank you for all of your insight as well. It was good catching up. It was great connecting. Have a great day, everyone. And that's as real as it's getting with this episode. Thanks for joining our hosts, Dana Harder and Carrie Baldwin with Unreal Digital Group in this podcast, Marketing Gets Real, where we talk to savvy leaders who seek change, adapt to it, and leverage it as an opportunity. If you're loving these oh shit, tell it how it is conversations, then please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time.